This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The salvation of the Jewish people is just that important to him that he says, I will not rest until it happens. And God looks forward to this day with a longing. There's a longing in his heart because he says that in verse 2, Isaiah 62, 2, the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, the kings thy glory. Thou shall be called by a new name, God says, a new name for the Jewish people, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. The word shall is very important there. It says, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt be called by a new name. It's in the future. It's in the future. God says that Israel will be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will, ma- will name. Very personal to God. God often gives new names to people. He changes names all the time. He changed to Ab- Abram, to Abraham. He changed to Simon, Peter, Sarai, Sarah, so forth. And he's already given a new name to the Jewish people. What? They already got a new name. He changed the name to, in Genesis 32. It's from Jacob to Israel. He gave the name Israel to the Jewish people. That name was the name that came from the mouth of God when he wrestled with Jacob all night. That was the name that God gave Jacob when he found him, and Jacob was refound in Genesis 32, and God gave him a new name to commemorate that refinding, became dedicated to God. And we're going to see that this new name will be for the Jewish people, and when you see it here, you can tell what the name is. But first, God continues to speak about what the Jewish people will be to him. When he says in verse 3, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. There's an emphasis there on the hand. God says, you're going to be in my hand like a jewel, like a precious jewel. You go to, maybe you go to a jewel shop and open up a black velvet. There's that jewel. Oh, can I touch it? Oh, can I hold it? Oh, can I have it? Hold it in my hand. But God says here, he says, you're going to be like that to me. I just want to hold you like that in my hand. A royal crown, a royal diadem. And then God tells the Jewish people what their new name's going to be. He says in verse 4, Your names 
of forsaken and desolate, forget about them. They're gone. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be called desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah. He says Hephzibah. And then he explains, for the, Hephzibah means he delights in her. So your name should be called Hephzibah, for the Lord delighteth in thee. He used the word delighteth. It's not just like, you know, the Lord likes you, the Lord accepts you, the Lord, you're okay. No, it's delight. And in verse 4, the Jewish people, they suffer so much, in verse 4, at the hand of the Gentile nations. They suffer so much that they're actually given the name forsaken and desolate. They suffer so much at the hands of Christianity that they are, that they are, that they are called forsaken and desolate. The term forsaken draws us back to Psalm 22.1. Psalm 22.1, the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know we all think that the, of the Lord Jesus on the cross. It's true. But those were the very words on the lips of so many Jewish prisoners as they were killed in the concentration camps, as they were going into to the gas chambers, as they were going into the gas chambers. They knew they were going to die. And on their lips was Psalm 22.1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are the words from the Holocaust. And he's speaking here of a future Holocaust in this verse, in Isaiah 62.4. 62.4. He says, it's going to be the future ones, because, because a future Holocaust is coming, a Holocaust which is described in the book of Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, where it explains very clearly that if the Jewish people saw themselves as forsaken by God during the Nazis, they will doubly see themselves as forsaken by God during this coming Holocaust, because Hitler killed one-third of the Jewish people. There were, there were 18 million, and he killed 6 million. He killed one-third. But this coming tribulation, a book of Isaiah says they will be, two-thirds will be killed. Two parts out of three will be killed. And the remaining one-third that survive, they're described in Romans 11, 26, 11, 1, 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And God is going to wipe away those names at that time of desolate and forsaken. And instead, God's new name is Hephzibah in verse 4. He shall delight in her. The names of the Jewish people then will go from Jacob to Israel to Hephzibah. From supplanter to prince of God to he delights in her. And that last name of Hephzibah is very personal. Very personal for God as he describes what he means that. He says in verse 5, as a young man marrieth a virgin's. He says, as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. As a bridegroom rejoices over a bride. We've never seen a statement like this before in Scripture. But in Scripture, we see analogies of how the church or the bride of Christ rejoices over the Lord Jesus. But this is different. This is God rejoicing over saved Israel. I mean, what words? God rejoicing over thee? These are amazing words. Just think of this picture that God has painted for us. It's a picture of a young bridegroom who's rejoicing over his bride. He's in love with the bride. The bridegroom, what does it mean he rejoices over his bride? It means he thinks of her constantly. I mean, a young man, when he's at work, he looks forward to when he can be with his bride. When he's with his bride, he, he wants to put his head on her shoulder. He's, like a, he's in blissful contentment. When he's in that state, when his bride speaks, it's all he hears. He's 100% focused on her words. He loves to listen to her. He hangs on her every word. He just can't get enough of her. He's lost his head over her. He loves to meet her needs. He wants to make her smile. He wants to make her happy. 
He's the happiest when he's just with her. Her name is the most beautiful name that he's ever heard. The way she looks is his new definition of beauty. Blonde hair, blonde hair is the only thing beautiful. He sees himself as the most fortunate person in the world to have her as his bride. He can't believe it. He actually has her as bride. There is nothing dull. There is nothing academic about his love for her. He doesn't just love her. He's in love with her. And these, were, these are the words that were tied up when God says he re, he's going to rejoice over, over Israel as a picture of a man in his first bloom of his love. So with these words, rejoice over her, this is the picture of how, that God has painted for us, that it's what it'll be like for Israel when they make the Lord Jesus their God. And with these words, rejoice over her, God has painted for us a picture of himself as the groom who's so excited over his bride Israel that he can't contain himself, and he breaks out into singing, singing. God is, God, there's only one place in the Bible where God said he sings, and it's in Zephaniah 3.17. He's talking about rejoicing over Israel, saved Israel. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Rejoice over thee with joy. That's the picture of God so excited over his love for saved Israel. Rest in his love is a picture of God nestled down in a state of contentment in his love for saved Israel. Joy over thee was singing. That's a picture of God so excited over saved Israel. He can't do He breaks into the singing. And God is so serious that this should happen that he said in verse 6, I have set upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, set watchmen. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which will never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make bench of the Lord, keep not silence. God said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. So, it's not, of course it's not yet, day of rejoicing. It hasn't come yet. It's for the future. It's a day yet to dawn. It's a baby yet to be born. But, he says, I want that day to come so much that I have called watchmen, very special watchmen, very special watchman whose location is on the walls of Jerusalem. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. That means they're focused on Jerusalem. Watchmen on the walls. Israel's lost condition is seen as broken down walls of Jerusalem. King David said, one of the things that King David gave himself to was to build the walls of Jerusalem. Many believe that it also refers to Milo in the scripture. He built the walls of Jerusalem. They were strong. They were solid. They were built up again by King David. But King David saw those as physical walls of Jerusalem. And then he then saw something else, which was the spiritual walls of Jerusalem. Even though he had these great, tremendously well-built walls there, he prayed in Psalm 5118, Psalm 5118. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. What do you mean build the walls of Jerusalem? They're all built. He's not talking about those physical walls. And this is what God wants his watchmen to see. That the spiritual walls of Jerusalem are broken down because of sin and a departure from God. And God has set watchmen on the broken walls of Jerusalem. They are to pray these words of Psalm 51.18. Psalm 51.18. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Now, remember, this is Psalm 51, which is the chapter, Psalm 51, is the chapter of David's repentance from his horrible sins of adultery and murder. Rapes a wife, commits adultery, and murders the husband. Apart from that, 
No problem. So in Psalm 51, he's considering his sins and the sinner that he is. And David sees himself for how he is a dirty, rotten sinner whose moral law has been broken down, and he sees Israel, whose moral laws were also broken down. And that's why David prays, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Broken down walls because of immorality. Israel today, wanting to be the capital of the lesbian, the LBGT, whatever they call themselves. They say that he wants to be the capital of perversion. Israel today, where prostitution is legal. Israel today, and David sees himself in that same situation, and he says, build thou, in Psalm 51, the walls of Jerusalem. These watchmen on the walls are very important to God. And God announces that, that, that those watchmen on the walls have a first priority. They are never to stop praying for God to save Israel. They should not stop praying in daytime. They should not stop praying in nighttime. They should just not stop praying to God to save Israel. And this continuing prayer is very important because God said that he would, he would move in answer to prayer. That's the way he set it up. Luke he told this nine, parable. Nine. I say unto you, not a parable, he said these things. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh shall be opened. Ask for the salvation of Israel. Seek the salvation of Israel. Knock and do what you can for the salvation of Israel. It's very important for God, for his watchmen, to be continually asking and seeking and knocking. And to illustrate this, he says in this parable in Luke 18, Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in the city. She came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I'll avenge her, lest her by her continual coming she weary me. It's taken a long time for God so far to save Israel, save the Jewish people, but he still says, don't give up. Know that because of God's love for her, it will happen. Just as he told Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.3, Habakkuk 2.3, the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, it not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So at first in verse 6, the Lord is speaking to Israel. This is the, in the first part of verse 6, he's talking to Israel. He said, I've set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. And he tells the city that he set watchmen on her walls. Those watchmen are followers of the Lord Jesus, who, in wanting to know, who are these watchmen? They are followers of the Lord Jesus who want to know more about God. They love God. They're so interested in God. And they discover in their quest for God that God has this great love for Israel, great love for the Jewish people. And they discover things like Hosea 11.1. Hosea 11.1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And as they've seen this in Scripture, this God's great love for Israel, their hearts have, have looked to God and say, what can I do? What can I do to make you happy, God? And God responds to them with the very special. He says, well, you want to make me happy? I want to set you as one of my watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. And as a believer responds back to the Lord with a, yes, Lord, I want to accept your calling to be a watchman on the walls of Jerusalem. I want to constantly pray, constantly remind you, constantly intercede for the, for the salvation of the, of the Jewish people. Then God sets that person as one of those watchmen on the wall. And now, during this time when God has turned his back on the Jewish people, 
because of their sins, as he said in Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not answer, will not hear. It's during this time of the temporary turning back on Israel that God cries out the words, the words of Isaiah 62, that he says, I may have turned my back, but I sat watchman on my walls to not let me forget. He says, because Israel is thinking, no, I'm, I'm gone, I'm gone. In Isaiah 49, 14, Isaiah 49, 14, Israel says, I'm gone. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my God has forgotten me. Not so. God says, I haven't forgotten you because I've set watchmen on, my, on the walls of Jerusalem. God never wanted to permanently turn his back on the Jewish people, and that's why God said his watchmen of prayer. That's why God says in Isaiah 62, 6, 62, 6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls. Who are these watchmen? Little old ladies like Miss Nellie Cross in San Diego, who in the 1940s prayed her heart out daily for the Jewish people of San Diego. She's old. She was old. She wasn't well at all. She was very sick. She couldn't go out herself to the Jewish people of San Diego. She couldn't, she couldn't point to the, the she couldn't be with the Jewish people and point to the Lord Jesus and say the words of, as we saw, Isaiah 40, verse 9, Isaiah 40, verse 9, behold your God. She couldn't do that. She couldn't do that. So God set her as one of his watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem, and she prayed and she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and never stopped praying. And because of her prayers, God called the saved Jewish man, Fred Locke, and his wife Mildred to come to San Diego from Arizona and establish the San Diego Hebrew Mission. All because of a watchman on the walls in San Diego named Miss Nellie Cross, who never held her peace day nor night and would not keep silent before God, reminding him to never forget Israel, to save Israel. And because of her prayers, God spoke to a Bible school student away off in Canada, in Alberta, Canada, who was planning on going to India to be a missionary. And God spoke to him the words of Ezekiel's calling in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 3.5, Ezekiel 3.5. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange language and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. And when God spoke those words to Jim Mater, he changed his course from India and came and joined Fred and Mildred Locke here in the San Diego Hebrew Mission. And later, his future wife, Jean, came also from Arizona. All because of a watchman on the walls in San Diego named Miss Nellie Cross, who never held her peace day and night, who would not keep silent before God, reminding him not to forget Israel and to save Israel. And as Nellie Cross continued to pray, a 19-year-old Jewish boy came to San Diego with his wife to finish school at UCSD. And God saved him, and Jim Mater mentored him. And by this time, Nellie Cross couldn't lift her head off the pillow and get out of bed. She was in need of 24-hour care. But from her bed, she never gave up her job of being a watchman on the walls. And she prayed for that 19-year-old boy. And then he gave his life to reaching the Jewish people. And he, from his penniless estate, told God, God, if you give me money, I'll use that money to reach the Jewish people. And that 19-year-old boy is the person speaking to you today. And that's how I've been able to set up Israel Restoration Ministry. This all happened because of a watchman on the walls in San Diego named Miss Nellie Cross, who never held her peace day nor night, would not keep silent before God, reminding him to not forget Israel, save Israel. And then, 
In verse 6, first of all, verse 6, we've seen God is speaking to the Jewish people when he says, in verse 6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls of Jerusalem. And that's an, an, an incredible sight right there before we pass away from that. In verse 6, just at the time when the Jewish people are crying out, we've been forsaken by God, we've been desolated by God, they're crying out, Isaiah 49, 14, Isaiah 49, 14, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, my God hath forgotten me. Just at that time, God responds to the Jewish people by telling them, no, there's hope for you because I have set watchmen upon thy walls, all Jerusalem, which will never hold their peace day nor night. I have set Miss Nellie Cross to pray for you. And the Jewish people would say, what? That's our help? Yes. That invalid lady who can't lift her head off the pillow, that's your hope. It's like God is saying to the Jewish people, Isaiah 62, 4, verse 4, forsaken and desolate, he's telling them, no, there's hope for you. As I set watchmen on your walls that will remember you, that I will save you. The salvation of the Jewish people might have been like this, the Jewish people. We are forsaken and desolate, they say. God says, don't worry, I set Miss Nellie Cross on the walls to never stop asking God to save you. And then after speaking to the Jewish people in verse 6, God pivots in verse 6, and now he speaks to the watchmen on the walls in the second part of verse 6 when he says there, Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Give him no rest. That's the calling of the watchmen on the walls. Give God no rest. God's calling for these watchmen on the walls is that they should be incessant, incessant, incessant nudges. That's what they should be to the point of being incessant irritators. They should be professional irritators. They're like the moray eel, that when it locks on, it won't let go unless you kill it. And God says, I want you to be a clinging Jacob. Cling to me like Jacob. Hold on to me like Jacob. When Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis 32, 26, Genesis 32, 26, God said, let me go for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go unless except thou bless me. His watchmen the walls are to be the ones who will say, I won't take no for an answer, God. I'm clinging to you. I will not let thee go until you save Israel. Till he establish and make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And what these watchmen on the walls are to do is to not give God any rest. They're to keep bothering God day and night. For what? Verse 7. Till he establish Jerusalem. Verse 7. For God to make it a praise in the earth. Verse 1, for God to make them righteous through faith. Verse 1, for God to make their salvation, not just to be for themselves, but to the salvation will be like a bright burning lamp that stretches across the whole world to the Gentiles. To bring the Gentiles to God, O Zion, haste thy mission high fulfilling, to tell to all the world that God is love. Romans eleven fifteen. Romans eleven fifteen. If the casting away of them, the Jewish people, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? That's the heart of God. A broken heart for Israel. A heart with no rest until Israel is saved. Until he can rejoice over them like a bridegroom rejoices over his bride until he's in love with. For us, what can we do? To be Nellie Cross. We can be the Nellie Cross. Faithful watchmen on the walls who never stop praying for Israel to be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your everlasting love for the Jewish people. We pray, Lord, that you would save them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.